My name is Chris Spaggs, and I'm on a quest to stack up every NFL team in Underdog Fantasy's Best Ball Mania 4 tournament. $3 million to first place. You guys know the drill. I'm going to spin the wheel here, which I probably should have pulled up in advance, and I will determine which team I'll be drafting on this week's stream first up here. So let's see what the gods give me on this fine Friday morning. Saints. Okay, Saints are achievable. We can do this. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Taysom Hill, potentially. I don't know. We are in a Best Ball Mania 4 draft room, though, as you can see, already loaded up here. So got the jump on you guys if you're trying to play along with me. Of course, you can play in the second draft that I'll be hitting uh, later on in the stream. But I'm in the 10 hole here, the non-influential 10 hole. So we will be waiting a while. And um, I guess probably going to reach for Olave then. Which feels fine. Taking Olavi at 15 doesn't feel like the worst thing in the world. We've got Clay Dog in the one hole. Bob Andy Rand. I'm just going to read all the names today. That's the kind of mood I'm in. John Ditcher. Beinberger. Tom is better than Bill. Oh, top fucking Bill getting dunked on here. <laughs> and that guy's username. Connor 100. Yoshi. Oh, Yoshi. Great friend to have if you're Mario. LK Richer. Miles H. Me. Why, why Raz? Why Raz? And uh, there we go. And Galaga BG. Don't recognize a single one of these names, guys. This is going to be an interesting draft. And we see here Jamar Chase. This is happening a little bit more in rooms lately, going in the 101 spot. I've seen it happen a few times this week, including a draft I was in. Of course, I have not benefited of the Justin Jefferson 102 pick so far, but somebody out there is. Guys like Clay Dog uh, deciding Chase is their guy. Shout out to the chat as well. GM's all about loving the Saints. Olave round two. That is, in fact, where we're going to be going. Bijan uh, Olave, not BJ Olave, which honestly would be a pretty good creative player name. But Bijan Olave sounds like a fun combo of doable. Yeah, I don't mind that one either. Um, I think we'll see. We'll see what's coming back here. Uh, not a heavy running back pig room, so we can keep the gif aside for so far. And I got to tell you guys, I am really in a mood lately to not draft running backs. I know I've always kind of uh, started my brand here. Some of the most viewed videos on the Splash Play channel are me doing zero RB drafts, talking about why I'm a zero RB obsessive. This year with the ADPs moving around, it has kind of changed the game a little bit. Guys like Pete, of course, my podcast partner here on Splash Play, you see drafting running backs now more than ever. And it does feel like running backs have gotten very cozy to people. So I really don't have a big issue being heavier on the wide receivers as we go. Uh, I think AJ Brown here, no Bijan start for me. AJ Brown of the 10 hole, never have an issue with that. Um, obviously some guys who are starting to fall even lower Devontae Adams down safely to the 14.1 ADP here. So he is always going in the second round. Um, so we would have some nice players here available. It looks like probably one of lamb Wilson or Adams coming back to us. Uh, but we will reach for Olave here to ensure we're getting the best part of that Saints stack. I won't repeat uh, letting down the Texans fans last week who were so mad at me about not taking Damian Pierce uh, because they perceive him to be the alpha of the Texans offense. I disagree a little bit on that one, uh, but I do think for the Saints, Olave is the clear kind of alpha of, of this team and what we're expecting them to be. So I got to put my banner up. I'm not in the flow, guys. I got to admit, I feel like I need to up my content output Uh yeah, I've been feeling it this week. It's kind of feel like I'm not in the mix enough in the midweek portion of things, just watching other people's streams, then feeling like I'm left out of the conversation as I'm putting out my fantasy football tweets every day. Uh, so definitely something that uh, I'm thinking about here, adding a little more content to the Splash Boy channel. But Chris Olave, let's get him done here. 
Uh, Waddle normally would be the guy I would pick here. Love Waddle. Waddle, a guy who all the metrics I talk about the most, the EPA statistics from uh, all sports info solutions, of course, that I reference a bunch. Um, estimated points added, a key metric that I look at. DVOA for Football Outsiders, another metric that hopefully we'll be producing uh, this season, but hopefully we'll have a read on that in the next week or so. If you are waiting for that Football Outsiders news break, um, hasn't come for me yet in terms of catching up on pay, but hopefully we'll figure that out. Um, and if not, then... <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, though, uh, DVOA and EPA, DVA, uh, DVOA will still be a stat that Aaron Schatz produces wherever he goes as well as part of the stuff negotiated behind the scenes. So that is a stat that I'll continue to have as part of my repertoire. Uh, the point being, though, Waddle was so good in both those metrics last year that it's you know to the point where I know guys like Hayden Winks, the very sharp guy over at Underdog Fantasy's channel, uh, has pointed out that there's probably some regression due for Waddle with how good he was relative to the limited targets, relative to how much of a downfield offense it was last year. That also makes an assumption that the Miami offense isn't going to be as explosive as it was last year. And I think that could be a mistake as well. Um, obviously, Waddle being such an outlier when a guy is that good, it is hard to expect him to be that good two years in a row, um, especially if the volume does increase. But that said, with what I saw from Miami last year, with them being the most downfield attacking offense, high pass rate offense team that also, frankly, ran bad down the stretch because of Tua being hurt and Skylar Thompson, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, especially Skylar Thompson, though, not guys kind of equipped to hold up that offense. Uh, this year, you know, I do think you're better off betting on the health of Tua, uh, but taking Mike White, certainly a guy that, you know, on their team that can provide value in that same kind of downfield offense. So if you have some concerns about Miami um, and they're Tua-based, at least the offense should still be, I think, fractionally as good, whereas last year, like, it just was a shit show and they couldn't do the same things with the same QBs. Uh, let's see. Olave is a great start for St. Stacks. There we go. Glad Tyler agrees there. Uh, got Olave at 31 in the slow puppy yesterday. Insanity with folks trying to be unique. These rooms are nutty. It is definitely silly season in some of these drafts. I've been doing, um, as I mentioned here, you know, part of the luxury of me not streaming all my drafts like Pete does is I'll do some BBM drafts at you know 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Um, really anytime after 8, I feel like, is when you start to see the rooms get a little bit down. Uh, maybe, you know, dads like me who are not paying as much attention as I am during the course of a day or, you know, are you guys out there, of course, you're watching a bunch of YouTube streams and reading all the athletic articles and whatever ETR is saying and all that. Uh, maybe people just decompressing after work. I don't know what the case is, but both on DraftKings and Underdog, I have noticed these rooms being a little bit softer. I also tend to think, too, when there's the more cheap tournament going on as well, uh, Best Ball Mania does sort of get less sharp drafters in. Um, that's been one of my observations as well. Going on a big runner receiver here, guys. Jalen Hurts uh, goes first, but then Higgins, Ridley, Metcalf, Cooper. So we're going to see what we get back here. Um, not going to be anybody, I think, who makes sense from New Orleans. Uh, not going to be anybody who makes sense from Tampa Bay coming up anytime soon. If we are going to try to do their Week 17 correlation. And as I've talked about with Tampa Bay, um, not the biggest believer in their offense overall, but I guess if we are going to try to take some Week 17, could definitely take a Godwin or Evans and try to hope that we get that, that Boomer Week 17 correlation matchup um, with New Orleans and then Evans theoretically still being out there. We'll see. See if Tampa Bay is still playing for anything in Week 17. Uh, but on the clock here... Seems like the franchise tag stuff knocking down Josh Jacobs a little bit along with Saquon. The Saquon obviously has gone in this draft. Um, nobody here really screaming to me. Philly, New Orleans. I just, I really don't want to take a running back. I'm not in the mood to take a running back today. I got to be honest. I'm taking Christian Watson. If one of these guys falls back to me. I'll reconsider again. Um, but at this point, I, I just want to do a radical zero RB build, if I'm being honest. I've been in the mood to do one. The rooms have been perfectly aligning for it with me lately. Uh, but, you know, when the itch strikes, guys, sometimes you just got to scratch. Sometimes you got to scratch like a like a dope fiend. <laughs> this is where we're going for my zero RB fix. 
Yeah, we are pissing. We are pissing here. I am a piss boy. Uh, though Pete, again, doesn't draft enough wide receivers, I think, to have the urinating logo for himself. All right, all the running backs go. So I was willing to take a running back if one came back to me. None of them did come back. Do love Baltimore, Miami, but without having Hill, without having Waddle, without having Andrews, I kind of feel like that's a little bit less appealing to me. Uh, Judy's okay. Let's, you know what? Let's go Atlanta. We'll get some NFC South in the mix, but really just young receivers is what I'm liking in this pocket where I got Olave, got Watson, got London, all these second year guys. AJ Brown's still a youngish vet. So um, that's kind of why I pushed towards those receivers. Judy is still young too. Uh, but as I've talked about, uh, for whatever reason, even though Judy does look good in the, the analytics that I cite the most, again, the EPAs and the DVOAs of the world, um, I still just have a hard time getting to Judy. I think relative to the ADPs and that offense, you know, like Sutton being 50 points or 50 picks lower rather does make him a little bit more appealing to me. Uh, Mims being a guy that, uh, you know, can sort of be in the mix and uh, obviously high draft capital as well for him does worry me. Tim Patrick, the greatest receiver who's never actually played, um, an entire season of football and he's 30 years old. That guy's still hovering around. So, that's part of why I didn't take Judy there. But also, I think these guys, Olave, Watson, London, all kind of have more of that that wide receiver one historical archetype that I do like a little bit more. Big-bodied guy playing outside. Judy's been great for what he's done, but certainly playing a little bit more in the slot and a little bit of a small guy. So if we're, if we're splitting hairs, that's why I didn't take Judy. But Judy's a fine pick who I probably shit on more than I should. Yoshi sniping Connor on Lamar. Oh, yeah, Connor is Connor 100 here, so I do know him. Uh, but yeah, no Lamar coming back, which would have been nice for you at 43. Unfortunately, you know, like we talk about on here, if a guy has a 34 ADP, you can't expect him to come back to you at 43. Um, that's the kind of thing that somebody's going to snatch that volume. Uh, but obviously it would be nice for Connor if he had gotten him to fall there. But I think you can't make that expectation. It's just not the most likely thing in the world. Draft with you off stream before and you were a little RB piggy. I don't know that we're saying, and I'll, I'll play the gif because obviously, you know, if, I, if there's accusations of RB piggery, I need to be able to present the visual aids here to show, yes, running backs here, scarfing up all the running backs. I still wouldn't say I'm never a piggy, though. Like, I don't build hyper fragile running back builds. I never take more than two um, in the first five rounds, I would say. So I would push back on this accusation from Big Lenny. I think Big Lenny might be Leonard Fournette here in the offseason trying to besmirch my brand to build up his own, and I won't stand for it here. Only honest chats. But no, my running back exposures, I mean, we'll do the uh, exposures at the end of the show, of course, where I reveal where I'm at in terms of all my best ball mania entries so far. Uh, but I am not heavy on any of these running backs to the point where it actually does kind of worry me because there are a few guys talked about Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb still has that running back one pure potential here. If he adds some, some routes to his game or just you know, really soaks up the ones that hunt left behind as well. Some of those touches, um, he's sort of the inverse side of the coin to drum forward a guy that people are certainly drafting. And I've been drafting uh, pretty much all off season long. That said, you know, hunt uh, being a guy or Chubb being a guy that could be a running back one stands out to me. Um, Henry still being in the mix enough, Tennessee now playing for something, adding pieces to try to keep themselves afloat. That feels like another thing that could keep Henry viable late into the year. Um, Bijan I've talked about, he is just fancy Tyler Algier, but Tyler Algier was so good last year in every advanced analytic people will, people will suck the dicks of Kenneth Walker will suck the dicks. Uh, I should have come up with a different verb there. We'll flate, uh, <laughs> we'll flate guys like Damian Pierce. But in reality, like Tyler Algier was the best rookie running back last year in terms of everything that just what he got on the field out of what was given to him. Um, and it's going to be Bijan, who's a better running back with a higher pedigree, who did more in college. And Algier was good at BYU, but he's not Bijan Robinson. So 
Uh, Bijan being fancy Tyler Algier and being RB1 is in play. I don't even have the field's 8% exposure on those guys. So that is something to me that does actually worry me a little bit about my portfolio. Um, I still think you're going to be better off more often than not just hammering receiver um, as we're seeing in this draft room for me today. Uh, but overall, I do want to try to get some of my running backs a little bit higher. Um, okay. We got Philly. We got New Orleans. I mean, I feel like this is kind of a Madison spot at this point. Walker falling a little bit here, though. I am going to take Madison. Again, just not a big Walker guy. I do like J.K. Dobbins a lot, but I have enough J.K. Dobbins at this point. Probably could still keep going receiver. You know what? Okay, no, it didn't time me out. I think we're getting the weird thing on underdog where it's telling me that my pick is over, even though my pick has not been over. Uh, so something to watch here where it gives me 20 seconds on the clock, but I actually still have 30 seconds, um, which has happened a few times on stream. Never happens to me on the app. It does happen for some reason on desktop when I'm streaming. DraftKings shirt and DraftKings underdog. To be clear, I do have an underdog hat and a DraftKings shirt. And I was actually thinking today, Bullock, that I should switch to a hat that just says gambling on it. <laughs> just Or the money flying away emoji on my hat. Um, instead of the dollar signs that we've all come to know and love on, on hats like this one that I've been wearing on streams for a few years. Though not consistently enough to make it my brand. Um, I do think, you know, uh, I'm just agnostic. I just want somewhere that's going to be a fun time to blow my money on. And honestly, DraftKings isn't a fun time to blow my money on for best ball drafts. And I'm still doing that a couple times a day because um, you got to max them out. If you if you think the tournament has appealed to you uh, as best balls, uh, best ball mania, of course, does an underdog and DraftKings Millie Maker does uh, for me, then uh, I'm certainly willing to spend my time on it, even when it is an unpleasant drafting experience. Clay Dog's a wild card. I mean, with a name like Clay Dog, you got to be. All right, so... Walker falls all the way back here. But JSN makes sense. God, I hate Walker so much. <laughs> really? But this is the time to take him. If you're going to take Walker, this is the time to take him. I'm being a pig. I know I just fucking railed on it, said I wanted to draft a bunch of running backs or not draft a bunch of running backs, want to draft a bunch of receivers, but no. I'm going to take Kenneth Walker here. 11 picks after ADP is a little bit too cheap for me to, to pass one more time. Um, and again, I do feel like I'm pretty good at receiver with his start. I like all four of these guys. Do feel like I got young guys who can all be potentially, you know, end of the first round picks next year. So... I'm betraying myself a little bit in what I wanted to do, but I do think the room, the room is a little too hospitable giving me Kenneth Walker there. It's nice to have three to four dead teams every lobby on DK. That is true. Definitely some non-sharp drafting goes on on DK. I'm also some values there, as I've talked about. The Anthony Richardson, of course, who's my one of my biggest stands in life, as well as fantasy football this year. Um, he is a guy that certainly goes cheaper on DraftKings. Alec Pierce goes in the 180s, 190s sometimes on DraftKings. Uh, some of the values there. Uh, tight ends go very cheap, but the rookie tight ends especially go pretty cheap. Um, just softer rooms overall on DraftKings. But again, it's just a shitty experience, especially if you multi-table uh, drafts like I do. Uh, sometimes you don't get those alerts in time, so you kind of have to manually keep going back and forth between rooms, which can be a little bit of a pain in the ass. But uh, that's the, the main things I would say against DraftKings. Still going to be worth it in terms of just the potential to win a million dollars. That's what we're going for here. That's the goal. I would see again, like Lenny's saying, this is running back pay. Like, I don't think this is. I got four receivers first. I'm the only person in this room to go four receivers in the first four rounds. So 
I think it's all relative to what your expectations are. Uh, certainly in the last, you know, last offseason, especially, I mean, I would go seven, eight rounds sometimes drafting receivers. That's not the optimal way to do it. Um, if you are going to do it, as I've talked about here, go the radicalized zero RB route, take six receivers in your first six rounds, maybe seven, and then don't go back to the position until, you know, at least the 15th round. Um, that's what I think the modern zero RB approach would look like that the road of is a roster construction explorer makes look pretty good. Uh, but I think for me, like, you know, and for what the standards are now, I mean, you watch these streams and there are guys not to always cite Pete, but like you go through, there are people who love drafting zero RB teams and they're still taking, you know, Ramondre. They're still taking Tony Pollard. They're still taking Saquon. They're still like zero RB is just not, you know not being exalted the way that it was in the past in terms of people actually sticking to it on a stream. So um, I think relative to those standards, I stuck to it about as well as anybody. Good value. There we go. Where can I find last year's winning lineup? Uh, I think anywhere. Like just search BBM three winner. I think you'll find it. Um, there's been art. I mean, Pat's written articles about it. I think too, you can find the winner in a lot of places. Allen and Herbert both double stacked. Who's doing that? Oh, LK Richer. Interesting. That is a nice little build. Not, you know, normally the two elite QBs, though, Herbert, you know, on the fringe of being elite QB, not a move you'd want to make, but he got Keenan and Allen and Williams with Herbert, then got Diggs and Gabe Davis with Josh Allen. A bit of a reach on Gabe Davis that is sometimes a trappy fallen, which means that somebody probably has this exact same build, but a little bit cheaper. Um, but hard to argue that start with LK Richard. There's two teams that should be in the hunt, two offenses that are pretty aggressive and downfield, or at least should be with Kellen Moore moving to the Chargers. So I actually like what LK Richard did with that. Um, if you're going to go no running backs and you're going to go two elite QBs, that is a unique way to do it. That gives you legitimate upside. So shout out to that guy. Hope he's, hope he's in the chat. Hope he's hanging out. So it's just clay dog in the chat getting wild out here. It's true. I am a classical zero RB guy. I hate that every stream is just now like, yeah, oh man, how could you pass on this running back in the second round? Like that's all everybody who I've grown to listen to and enjoy the, you know, their takes over the course of the years. Um, so I'm sure it's even more so if you're, you know, just a person who's just been watching YouTube streams and been in the field and, you know, and you're not even creating your own stuff where it's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You've been telling me zero RB so great for so many years and now you're not doing it. Um, I'm doing it still for the most part. It's just, you know. Like if guys are going to dip in ADP or are they also align for the, uh, the week 17 stuff, I'm probably a little more willing to take them. And speaking of aligning for week 17 stuff, Rashad White's here. It feels like a pretty good bring back. So we're going to take Rashad White, a three, four build so far, three running backs, Madison, Kenneth Walker, Rashad White at receiver, AJ Brown, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Drake London. So we have some week 17 correlation already. Uh, certainly could use some more. No stack QBs yet, but obviously we'll have some late outs there. So I think we're on a good path here, even though um always feels weird to me to go on a re uh, run of green here, uh, taking all these running backs before pick 100. But we're doing it today. We're doing it for this one. Don't like that Goddard pick when you have two late tight ends with, with those QBs. I think that's a good point. Um, Goddard's still a guy that I'll defend just because I think he's undervalued relative to the tight end landscape. He was the best advanced analytic tight end in football last year. Um, obviously, being a part of that Philly offense is going to help that out. But certainly, it's something where if Smith goes down for a period of time, A.J. Brown goes down for a period of time, or those guys just find tougher defensive matchups that Goddard could have some real early spike weeks. Um, but that said, I would agree. Like If you have 
If you have Everett and then you also have Kincaid and Knox available late, it does feel a little bit of a stretch to take Goddard, um, especially if you are, you know, maybe running a little bit thin at running back. Um, did Michael Thomas go? Oh, Michael Thomas went at 83. All right. So we won't be getting the double with him. That kind of sucks. Uh, Elijah Moore. God, just Baltimore guys. Zay Flowers is probably on the way up. Let's take Zay Flowers here. Uh, camp reports from him so far in Baltimore that he is looking like the best receiver on the field. Obviously, it is very early for that. But as we've talked about in some of the splash play shows with Pete, it does feel like Zay Flowers is more likely to be a riser, whereas a guy like Rashad Bateman potentially going to be a faller here. Odell certainly should be a faller. Uh, once people just catch up to the fact that, yeah, the contract money is there, but he is old coming off of an ACL tear and didn't play for a year. Um, those are not great things. Uh, but Zay, I think... Zay should probably be at least in this this range of Kadarius Tony to Quentin Johnson. Um, so I'll take Zay here. But now I do wish I'd maybe taken Lamar earlier. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Can't have that one back. I can't get on board with Madison. I just don't think he'll be the guy. It might be a committee. I mean, last year it was kind of a committee with Cook, too. Um, I think Madison's a little got a little more juice left than Cook. Uh, you know, the advanced analytics, I think, would bear that out, too. Um, let's see. Madison last year. I think I only have receivers up, but I have taken a look at this in the past and I'm pretty sure that Madison was a little bit ahead in avoided tackle rate and a little bit ahead in uh, some of the other stats. Madison 0.2 EPA per uh, target, negative 0.04 per rush, 31% uh, avoided tackle rate, which is very good. And then Dalvin Cook was at negative 0.14 EPA per rush, 0.02 EPA per target and then a 19% avoided tackle rate. So yeah, Madison was good in every analytic that I would look at, or at least relative to Dalvin Cook. Um, I just don't think there's a big threat from Ty Chandler. The bigger threat is Dwayne McBride, because Dwayne McBride was a bell cow back uh, playing at UAB last year. I think that's right. He's playing at UAB, yeah. Um, so he was like a guy that actually mattered and was playing against these teams where they would you know, basically build the entire defense around trying to stop him. And he was still good against eight-man boxes. Obviously, that's playing at a UAB, so that's not necessarily going to be you know, the best comp to NFL you know, teams that are trying to stop you. But McBride was so good there that I think he's the guy to worry about. I know Chandler, you know, the Evan Silva bump, ETR guys talking about him has been a thing that's been carrying him a little bit. Um, I would rather have Dwayne McBride seven times out of 10, I think, than Chandler. Um, to the point where I've been actually forcing myself to take some Chandler. So I think there's merits to those other guys as well. But, you know, Madison's been good in the system. Um, marketing team put him on the Twitter banner. I don't know. Like, there's enough signs here for Madison that I think you got to kind of take him at face value. Um, but, I, you know, if you got a lot of him before, <clears throat> before all this news came through, like if you got Madison at the 130s and you have like, you know, 8% Madison at 130 or 120, and then you don't want to take him now. Like I kind of get that at least, but I would still, you know, dollar cost that down a little bit, take him where he is in some amount and then try to get to the fields 8% overall. But then you know that you have, you know, half of your 8% being that lower ADP, I think would be the better way to do it rather than outright fading him. But you know, people can do whatever you want. Like you can always do whatever you want with your money. That's, that's what I'll say. I'll give you my take on it. And you know, I'm certainly a lot of people out there will be happy to give you their takes and tell you how to spend your money, but you got to make that choice for yourself. And if you don't want to draft Madison, then don't draft them. Um, well, AR is on the board. AR is on the board. Oh, AR is on the board. Oh, why is he on the board? Why, why, why? You know, this is not normally how I get my AR. I did put out my tweet this week, finally giving my public explanation of why I'm so heavy on Michael Pittman, but 
It's an AR day. It's an AR day. Oh, I, I mean, do I have to put the jersey on every time I draft him? Probably not. There's nobody policing me on this, but we're going to draft the man. We have to honor him appropriately or else the AR gods will get mad at me, much like the randomizer wheel gods sometimes get mad at me. So AR is our first QB off the board. There we go. Historical Anomalies wants it. He's a member here on the Splash Play channel. If a member wants anything here, I'm legally obligated to do it as long as it doesn't involve nip or dick. Uh, those are the two. <laughs> really hope McBride doesn't jump Chandler or my late round bags will be cooked. Uh, I'll tell you, I am firmly team McBride. There's been nothing Ty Chandler has showed me in college or the pros that makes me think that he's better than Dwayne McBride. In terms of just being like that back that a team wants to give 20 touches to, I just don't think Chandler is that guy. <laughs> I'm a walking billboard. Underdog DKAR. That's true. That's that's why you guys have to support the show here because I need more things to shill. I need more viewers here so I can actually get money from whoring myself out time and time again. So please subscribe to Splash Play. Hit the like button, all that shit. Um, man, this room, this room is really running back frothy, which makes me really wish I didn't take running back early. Um Let's take Dobbs. I, I honestly feel like I should have taken another running back here, but Dobbs will keep us alive for a Green Bay sack that I probably don't want to take because I do want to take Derek Carr. All right, well, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But that's why, by the way, guys, if you don't take those running backs where I did here, if you were a little bit stronger willed than me, you didn't say, oh, Madison's a little bit cheaper and I got the Green Bay correlation, I'll take him. If you didn't see Kenneth Walker falling, you don't take him. All these guys are available at this point. Like this was a lot of guys available who are perfect zero RB kind of guys. Brian Robson has probably got an early, uh, early role to start the year. Antonio Gibson was there. He, people like him more than I do, but he's probably got a role to start the year. A chain can have a role by week 17. Herbert's got a role to start the year. Elijah Mitchell's got a role. I think as long as he's healthy throughout the year, um, this is the zero RB pocket. So that's, you know, that's why it certainly might feel pretty good to take your Ramondre in the second round, but who's this year's Ramondre? Like, I think there's a lot of them in this range that I would have been happy to take. And I now didn't take because I didn't take receivers. Oh, well. Shout out to chat. Shout out to Brandon here. What's up, Spags? Appreciate all you guys hanging out with me here on this fine Friday. I know there's a lot of places these days where you can go and get your best ball content. So I certainly do appreciate you guys uh, being willing to get some of it from me. And of course, make sure to go check out my Twitter at Chris Spags. I am, I am still uh, slavishly putting out takes at least five out of seven days a week so far. Uh, hard to come up with a take every day. And, and also, frankly, with uh, the work self with football outsider, it's been a little bit of a drain, bit of a bit of a mental drag for me. So trying to snap myself out. And that's part of why, too, I'm going to probably going to probably going to hit some extra streams in August just to keep myself aligned and ready to go for football season. Um, because I, it's hard, honestly, the thing that I've realized it's the tough part when you've been really doing this. And as you guys have followed along, hopefully uh, seen us putting in the works in January, we're like, Hey, I started my prep for this season while the other season was still going on. Um, I think the wear and tear of that, like mentally for football knowledge just kind of gets to you. And now like, it's the point where I'm like, is this take right? Am I right about this? Is, am I right about this player? Or am I just digging my heels in? So that's my part of the process now is like, where I'll start looking through numbers and go like, was I unfair to this guy with how I filed him away? Um, and honestly, part of that process for me is doing these streams and talking it out and having people in the chat go like, well, that's fucking stupid. Um, why, what about this? And then I go like, oh yeah, what about that? And I think about, you know, how that might go. 
So that's that's part of why for me too. I think it might be fun to do a few more streams in a given week, but we shall see. We shall see. I've been to the will of the people. If nobody fucking watches our shit, then I'll just go, I don't know, go smoke more weed. <laughs> go smoke more weed and watch YouTube videos of people playing video games. Sounds like you need a fake tweeting intern, you know, or a, a take tweeting intern or a fake tweeting intern as well. Um, I certainly would feel weird about that. I, I certainly like everything that I say coming out of my mouth. That said, clearly, if you guys have followed my career, whether it be fantasy wise or pre-fantasy, um, sometimes things coming out of my mouth cause problems <laughs> for me and for those around me. Uh, so that's the trade off. But I, I don't know. I, I, I certainly think like there are people out there that could do that and do that well. I if I weren't putting myself into everything, I would feel like I'm selling the process short. Uh, but, you know, a fake take tweeting intern, fake take tweeting intern would not be the worst thing in the world. All right. We are on the clock here. We still got a while for Derek Carr. So I don't need to reach around and get him yet. Let's get Jamal Williams in our Saint stack. I don't like Jamal Williams that much. But I have so much Kendra Miller. I think Kendra Miller is the correct pick if you are stacking up Saints. But Jamal Williams got enough money. He's going to get the goal line work. And I kind of think if you're making a bet on the Saints overall, getting just that goal line back who's going to be in there getting those shitty touches that they haven't wanted to give as much to Kamara last year. Gave some to Mark Ingram. Um, I think that's where Williams probably has his most value. So that's how I'm going to do the mental gymnastics to say why I'm taking Jamal Williams here in the Saints stack. But I still think that Kendra Miller is the most appealing option in the Saints stack, if that makes sense, or Saints running back. Yeah, I need a take tweeting editor and I need a fake tweeting editor. I need all those things. You're going to get shit wrong and it's okay. I'm not here for the player takes, here for the macro takes. I mean, I think my macro takes have been as sharp as anybody in terms of like what's going on with the running backs right now. I called this last spring. Like I said that running backs were coming to a head. And I think that's one of the things too with like best ball data and our guy, Sam Sherman, I think again, it's made some of the best cases out there for why you take the running backs early. I think the reason you take, you don't take running backs early is that that position is now just completely different in terms of what it means to both NFL teams and roster construction, as well as the overall um, I'm going to reach for Derek Carr here just to make sure I get him. Um, again, he's more valuable to me at this point than anybody else in this draft room. Uh, Two-week 11 buys. So actually, I still might be live to take Jordan Love. So that works. That works. Um, but yeah, so I think for me overall, what's happening right now with running backs, you've been able to kind of foresee with how the contracts have gone where it wasn't hard for Christian McCaffrey to get his money, but even that, like it wasn't as much as it would have been in a previous generation. And he starts to see last offseason in particular, all the receivers getting these blockbuster contracts. Like that's starting to show the trend of, Hey, now we have the part of running backs getting paid less overall, getting drafted more lowly. Then you have the part in, Oh, these receivers are getting blockbuster contracts. Christian Kirk is getting so much money, more money than any running back will ever get. Um, that's where the trend I think started to really cement itself. And now this year, what it's going to be is that, you know, like I said last year, it wouldn't shock me if a single running back didn't get 25 touches. That ended up being the case. Nobody gets 24. I think it's in range that less than five running backs get more than 20 touches this year. And at that point, like all these ADPs are wrong, like just because of what that means. Like these ADPs are here because running backs have historically gotten 20 to 30 touches in a game. If they all start getting closer to 20 touches in a game um, at the high end, like I think that's where all these guys down here start to get more valuable. So that's my macro take about running backs that um, I think that people just miss because it's easy to miss it because you have data that can point yourself in other directions. But like knowing NFL team building is you know not a thing I expect from many fantasy hosts. Like 
you know, fucking Osmo I used to work for and was won so much money playing, you know, NFL DFS. I'm sure he doesn't care a lot about NFL team building things because that doesn't matter for the way that he plays. That said, if you're playing best ball, it's so much more of like a, a football knowledge accumulation exercise, I think, than it is just straight projections or even uh, game theory. It's like stacking combined with your info accumulation. Um, and I think that's where your advantage is in best ball, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think, you know, nothing has disproven that with who, like with Pat winning last year. Like, I don't think, um, certainly info gathering was one of the things he was doing more than anybody in the industry because of working at NBC and having to do those, uh, those little blurbs on Roto world. Bye week bros aren't going to like that. No, I, and I don't either. I really don't love taking two QBs with the same bye week, but uh, we'll see what we get on the way back. If Jordan Love aligns nicely, I might take him, but I'm not really dying for it. Um, if I don't get another, you know, another QB with a, a bye week or, or who's playing rather during week 11, then so be it. I don't know about you guys, but I have a metric ton of Stroud, Houston stacks, and Jones Giants. It's my back end stacks. I need to chill out on it. The Jones one, I think, is pretty common. Though Jones, I have to say, falling in a lot of rooms I've been in lately. I don't know why, because I do think he is a really nice out now, especially uh, now that Mac Jones is not uh, going for free in the 18th round. Uh, but I would say the Stroud one, that's another you know, another macro take I have. Because of the game flattening out so much and because of football and the NFL being more aligned to flag football, just how it's being played, you know, there's less intricacies and all that. Um, I really do think that, oh, Alec Pierce being here, that works pretty well. I really do think that, you know, rookie QBs coming in are going to have a lot more success both on the field and fantasy-wise. We've now seen enough of them being competent in real life over the last few years that the last sort of hurdle is having a lot of them be good in fantasy. Um, I think this year could be that year. Obviously, I'm wearing the jersey and one of the guys that I think can be an elite rookie QB this year. But Stroud was so good in college, playing with pro-level weapons, playing at a high-level schedule for a couple of years. Um, he's a guy that I think can come in and be really good. And I think that's the other part of this take that I would have too is that I think rookie QBs like Bryce Young shouldn't go as cheap as he does as a guy that basically ran a pro caliber offense at Bama. Stroud shouldn't be as cheap as he is as a guy who created value downfield for an offense that was a world beater at OSU. Um, AR with his talent level and what he does in terms of running the football and throwing it deep, both of those at high rates. Uh, those are guys that I think are going to start to pay off in fantasy more from year one, but we'll see. That's the fun part about now. Everybody's takes are going to be as right or as incorrect as mine. Um, so we've got a two, four, seven, Oh, uh, we did see Taysom Hill not come back to me, which I'm not going to exactly cry about. Um, hmm. I think this is a Shahid spot because we did get a little more early running back capital in and Shahid, I think sort of fits with the car bet. Um, Jordan love being here definitely appeals to me, but if he doesn't come back, you know, what are you going to do? I think it's possible that love comes all the way back to me, but if he doesn't, then we're going to go to week 11 buys and we'll see. We'll see what we do late. Maybe a late Jimmy G is in play. Uh, name one good Ohio State QB in the NFL. Burrow is DQ. Uh, Justin Fields is, I think, still. Um, certainly was a different player, though, in college, which is why the comp for him and CJ Stroud's not that strong. Uh, what Fields was was just like blindly throwing it up in the air and creating value with guys also uh, creating yards after the catch. You know, besides that, Stroud just a pure po uh, pocket passer who graded out pretty well at every level. So, um, in terms of like the short throws, in terms of the mid-range throws, in terms of the downfield throws, Fields is creating a lot of his value just getting the ball downfield, which we haven't seen yet in the pros. But I also think Fields is kind of, it's unfair to hold Fields too much of what he's done so far in the league just because 
you know, up until this year, he really didn't have great coaching. And even this year, they didn't really want him to pass the ball in the beginning of the year. And then, then they realized like, okay, you can do this part. Well, we'll start to extend the game plan. Um, he's saying that he's going to be the first 4,000 yard thrower in bears history. I think was the quote that I saw from him. Um, I think it's certainly in range. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's anything that's wrong with fields as much as it is just sometimes you scheme as I think a coach to not have a player kill you. And then by doing that, you sort of stunt the player's growth. And I think that's where fields has been the last few years, but you know, he, he's been also very inaccurate too, but I think that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy thing where you scheme bad throws for a QB, the QB then plays poorly. Like that sort of goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand a lot more. Uh, even if rookie QB, Oh, here we go. Even if rookie QB doesn't have a great season by weeks, 15 to 17, they could have a big week as your last QB in a three QB build. Not a bad bet. That's also the other part of rookie QBs too. Uh, where, you know, like the big pushback for AR is like, well, what if Minshew starts? And like, yeah, what if Minshew starts? And I think, again, the most likely outcome or the worst outcome rather um, in that most likely category would be that uh, AR starts after the week 11 buy, which you, know, you can see here. Uh, it's always the case here. The post buy rookie bump is a thing that Hayden and Josh talk a lot about an underdog, but there's enough data to support that as well, that rookies getting more involved after the buy just happens naturally because of how teams approach things. Um, AR could not play till week 12 and could still be a monster for the playoffs, especially playing in a dome against a Raiders team that uh, was not very good defensively last year and didn't do much to make that a better situation this year. Um, so, and now it's the same thing for, you know, Carolina too. Like them going against Jacksonville, I think is, uh, could be a shootouty kind of matchup. Um, Shroud against Houston, or Shroud rather against Tennessee with Houston feels on paper like less of a shootout matchup, but we just don't know how those teams are going to play throughout the course of the year. Like I don't expect Tennessee to, this guy does. This guy taking Tannehill in the 14th. He expects Tennessee to be a world beater, throwing the ball more than they ever have. I'm not so sure about that, but I think it's still possible that even, you know, with Tennessee, if they're a similar offense, if Houston is gunslinging it and they have more of those Niners philo uh, philosophical principles that they're bringing over with the coaching staff they've brought over, uh, I think that's something where, you know, even Houston, Tennessee could be a shootout and could happen twice in the playoffs, which would be pretty crazy. Fields, Stroud, too early in process. Yeah, I mean, Fields is now going into year three, and I, I would say that year three is when you can really start to judge these guys, especially if they have the false start of... Uh, Fields is three, right? Or is, he, or is he four? Did he have two wasted years? Somebody want to correct me on that. Please feel free. Either way, though, it's definitely some wasted years. Okay, Jordan Love comes back. Let's not, let's not look to gift horse in the mouth here and take him. So we now have a QB playing in week 11. That feels pretty good. And we have the double stack with Dobbs and Watson. And honestly, might tack on Musgrave to Jordan Love. So that works pretty well. Okay, Fields is year three. Good. Glad my instinct was right there. But honestly, the time under Matt Nagy to him felt like two years because it was such a, a wasted potential for him. Um, you know, just he should be out in the field. Really, rookies should be on the field. If you're drafting them with high draft capital and you're kind of structuring your team around that, rookies should be on the field from week one just because that's your best window to build a team around them um, and have them kind of take their lumps as the team sort of, you know, matriculates around them and you add the free agents and all that. Um, so from a team building perspective, too, that's another thing with rookie QBs that uh, more and more teams are aware of. And that's why fucking Garoppolo goes at 182. That's crazy. Uh, we do have Juwan Johnson falling back to us, though. Obviously, with Carr, that makes sense. So Juwan Johnson, first tight end. Team so far at QB, AR, Derek Carr, and Jordan Love. Running back, Madison, Walker, Rashad White, Jamal Williams. 
right uh, wide receiver, AJ Brown, Chris Olave, Christian Watson, Drake London, Zay Flowers, Romeo Dobbs, Alec Pierce, Rashid Shahid. Probably one receiver too many at this point, but that's okay. Tight end, just Juwan Johnson so far. So the audio listeners have been fully serviced. But yeah, I think this is a three tight end build. So I now, by taking that extra receiver, priced myself out of getting a fifth running back. Um, I could still theoretically try to do a two tight end build, but it feels pretty thin if Juwan Johnson is my my number one tight end. But we'll see how we handle it here. We'll see what the room gives us. I believe Fields' rookie year helped Liam win BBM. Uh, if that's the case, I don't I don't recall. I remember Pat's team because it's like relatively fresh in mind. Liam's team, I know he had Jonathan Taylor besides that. And Jonathan Taylor and Gabe Davis, I recall being on Liam's team. 11 weeks not playing, but he's going before Geno. Kirk Jones is not ideal. I get why you would view it that way, Big Lenny, but that's not necessarily the case. Like, all right, so let's say with this build that I have in particular, you're telling me that Carr and Love can't give me enough spike weeks when I have their receivers and weapons around them to get through 10, 11 weeks of an NFL season. Like if you're building your team, right. And I've talked a lot about the two and AR, like one of my favorite duos to go out there with, because you have the pure pocket passer with guys that I think look good with early draft capital guys like Tyreek and Waddle, obviously. Um, and then some of the, you know, the bring back suit from Baltimore, having a Mark Andrews, that feels pretty good. Um, like that kind of team I think is built to then run hot. Then maybe even Tua gets hurt or something. And then you have AR coming in and providing all that value and hopefully creating value for a stack partner as well. Uh, maybe a couple stack partners with him. So I think that you're right in terms of a median projection for guys like Gino and Kirk cousins. If you want to go in week 17 and we're playing it like poker style, and you're going to show me your hand and you're saying, Hey, I've got Kirk Cousins and Geno Smith, and I'm saying, hey, I've got Tua and AR. I'd feel really good about that hand rollout against your team um, just because we have the high upside pocket passer. We have a rusher who can create value. Um, I think that's what worked the most about Pat's team last year, and even ignoring the fact that he had an injured Tua, was Daniel Jones and Tom Brady. You have a standalone rushing QB who can create value for himself and maybe create some value for passers around him. And then you also have Tom Brady there as a classical pocket passer, and he's going to create value for his targets with him. Like I think that's the kind of deal you want to go in with, whatever the configuration may be. If you thought about splitting the teams into two pools and the spin based on your draft position is, oh, you know, that's an interesting way to look at it. We're too late for that now, H plays games, <laughs> but I think that might have been a clever way to work around it. Um, yeah, the result is really, I just don't always take the guys that I probably should um, in some of the stacks, but it's not killing me necessarily. Um, I think this feels like a good spot to get Zamir White. Don't have a lot of shares of him. Had so much of him last year. It burned me. And of course, with how things go, always in fantasy and betting and everything, uh, the guy who burned you last year, going back to them the year after or the week after, even in NFL DFS, uh, can be something profitable. So I'll take Zamir White here, given that I do have that little bet on Indianapolis. Got two Bakersfield quarterbacks. I don't know who's from Bakersfield. Jordan Love and Carr. They both, I mean, I know Carr is like a, he's a Fresno guy, right? Uh, for college. Um, and he just kind of looks like a Fresno guy, <laughs> but I think Bakersfield, I know from my time in LA that Bakersfield, uh, Bakersfield also has some stereotypes. So glad to represent Bakersfield slash judge Bakersfield accordingly. Three round nine to 13 QBs is a good build. As long as one is Jones or AR. 
I mean, you can make the case for any of these guys, I, I think, really in that range. Like, I know, I mean, I've talked a lot about my exposures at QB, and again, I'll show them at the end of the uh, stream here so you can see where I'm at with everything. Like, really, all these guys in this range, Jones, AR, Kirk, Gino, Dak, I probably have the least of, uh, but he's so cheap now. There was a point where Dak was going in the 80s, which was obviously incorrect, but um, 126 is also incorrect for Dak. Goff, uh, Kyler, not so much, but Carr, Rogers, like all these guys here, really anybody who's on the screen right now, um, you start to build your QB rooms around these guys. And I feel pretty good about a two QB build. Uh, and a three QB build is like a nice little luxury. Um, but really this entire screen of guys, I feel pretty good about. Um, once you get to like picket range, I think then that's when you're talking maybe three QB uh, as a necessity. Uh, but let's see what we got here. Got to take a tight end, obviously. Woods or Musgrave? Who's got more of a role? Oh, fucking. No, Musgrave's already gone. Ah, okay. We got Jelani. We got Jelani. That's a thin tight end room, I have to admit. I think this made sense as a mere white share, but I would have liked to gotten Jawan Johnson, Jelani Woods, and Musgrave. I think that would have been a good th three tight end room. But we took Zamir. And when did Musgrave? Musgrave went in the 16th? God damn. All right. I got to adjust the new Musgrave price. Musgrave has been my uh, my 18th round bailout guy for a while now. Uh, but if he's going to the 16th, I guess I got to get him in the 17th. <laughs> Zamir Martingale. Yes, that's... Look, Zamir is a guy that did grade out pretty well coming into the pros. It's just he didn't get any workload. Um, but when he was out there, like he looked okay, very limited snaps, but like looked pretty spry, you know, relative to the at least the advanced metrics and what you can extrapolate from 10 touches of, of those. But um, Samir White makes sense, made sense last year as a contingent value. Um, this year, you know, I think it's not crazy that Jacobs and Barkley can't actually sit out part of the year and I think can do it as a concerted effort together. Um, I think that there's more in play with that stuff of just running backs, talking to each other and recognizing that their value is plummeting and guys like Jacobs and Barkley, like, I don't know what they're going to actually impact if they did do that. Um, if they stayed out, um, but like, you know, guys like cook Fournette, uh, Zeke, like those guys can hold out forever and it probably doesn't fucking matter. Uh, all right. So we're done here. Let's go back. Let's just spin the wheel. I'm not going to force you guys to go through me naming the team. Um, we'll keep a, a hot start going here. So let's get back to the wheel and see my next team to draft here. And guys, smash that like button if you can. Helps me out a bunch here. Solo creator. Obviously, Pete does the Tuesday shows with me, but this channel comes down to me here if we're going to get subs or not. So please help a brother out. Hit the like button. And of course, subscribe down below as I spin the wheel one more time. Who will we draft in draft number two? Uh, okay, Jets. So we want to get Garrett Wilson for sure. Besides that, uh, we'll see. Garrett Wilson, maybe. I mean, Brees would probably be a key part. Brees falling enough to justify. I don't think I need to force that. I am in the room, though. Best Ball Mania 4, of course. $3 million to first place. Use the promo code SPLASH. It's double your deposit at Underdog. Great way to build a bankroll there. Even if you're just playing the puppies, obviously, that'll get you uh, 20 more puppy entries in there instead of just the normal amount you'd getting if you deposited your own $100 without our promo code. So please go do that over on Underdog. Mm -mm. There we go. Thank you. I like the team spags. I'll take it. I think if nothing else, some you know building solid teams, if not spectacular ones, every time out, which I think is what comes with when you've done a couple hundred drafts at this point. 
Um, I guess now, honestly, counting pre-draft, I, I'm over 400, I think, overall. Which, God, just saying that number out loud. <laughs> like, I'm proud of the work I put in to know this as much as I do. That said, if you really start to do the math about how many drafts that you do in a given, uh, given offseason of an NFL, uh, boy, they really do add up and make you feel like a fucking loser. <laughs> anyway, we are we are in the eight hole here. So no influencer 101s for me today. You don't have to report me to big underdog. Should spend a couple times for options. Daniel, that would undo the entire point of the exercise, which is me losing control and giving it up here. And then also talking about teams that I wouldn't normally talk about. Um, so I think that's a positive though. The Jets, I feel like pretty well covered overall. Like Garrett Wilson, have some concerns about uh, the lesser AR, Aaron Rodgers, but um, still a team that, you know, the main thing to me is you look at the market odds to win the Super Bowl. Like if a team's in the top five, top 10, you feel pretty good about them. If they're in the bottom 10, um, if they're in the bottom five, especially if they're a team being treated well, uh, like we talk about with the Cardinals, like we talk about with uh, the Bucks, those are teams that get drafted. Like they're going to be kind of the same team this year. Um, I think that's one that matters a lot. And the Jets have been a team that's steadily atop the odds in the Super Bowl all offseason. So uh, they are a team that I probably should have more of because of that process. But I just find Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard, those guys to be so unsexy as picks. Tyler Conklin, uh, that I don't get to a lot of Jets. I have no issue with Wilson, but don't get to a lot of Jets. The good news is we are in an avalanche room, so I will have no issue here reaching for Garrett Wilson at the eighth spot. Somebody else can have A.J. Brown as a nice little discount. Somebody else can have Eckler. It's fine. It's not that big of a discount for Eckler taking him at the eighth spot. So uh, Garrett Wilson's our guy. We are stacking Jets officially. Oh, that's a Jet take it off. Turbulence for the Jets. Please subscribe for my my airplane impressions. <laughs> that's where that's where I really make uh, my bones. Good news is with a jet stack, if you grab Wilson and Lazard, you can get Rodgers' value. That's also true. I think the thing for me is really going to come down to if Brees comes to me at 32, and he should, do I take him there? And I do think if you're taking a jet stack and you're trying to capture the alpha of what the Jets can be, I think you absorb the risk and you take Brees at 32. Um, but he has to come back to 32 for me to make that decision. Tony Pollard at 16. That's uncommon. Ooh, 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 we can do, we can do the game stack here. Nick Chubb, Garrett Wilson. Okay. I know I'll, I'll hit the gif on myself here. I'm taking another early running back. Oh, mom, no, mom. I can't imagine building a team without running backs. Running backs are so important. Pay them all, pay them all. Give them millions and millions of dollars. It doesn't matter if you can replace them with literally anybody off the street if the offensive line is good. Pay the running backs. But honestly, though, if anybody deserves to get paid, it's Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's a fucking monster. Nick Chubb. Let's pull out some Nick Chubb numbers. They give me a Chubb. Uh, he's got had a 19% rushing DVOA, which is fucking insane for a guy that ran the ball 18 times a game. 19% rushing DVOA, 14% receiving DVOA. 0.01 EPA per rush, but that's kind of going to come out in the wash because of how much volume he got. 0.07 EPA per target, though, which is a good number for Nick Chubb. And then also, with all this, how many touches he got? Again, 19.7 uh, to 10 touches per game. That's the rushes plus targets. Guy had a 28% avoided tackle rate in his runs. That's that's insane. He is, he is so good, and it sucks that, like, 
his prime could go by. Like if he isn't a world beater this year and Cleveland isn't a great team this year, we're going to forget Nick Chubb because that's just how running backs go. But um, he is one of those guys that I should exalt a little bit more, especially as somebody that doesn't like running backs. Nick Chubb is, is that guy. Like he's absolutely that guy. Here we go. Chubb. <laughs> you want me to reach for Brees? Never mind. Spags, you get put on the pads and get tackled by Darnold. By Sam Darnold? Yes, I would get tackled by Sam Darnold. He's a big man, but I would take that hit. I would honestly take that hit from like um, Aaron Donald. Like I would for, I know people are like, oh, could you get this many yards? I don't know if I can get this many yards. If, if I'm like, you know, with a top offensive line, I think I could probably get that whatever many yards you have to get to, to fit these Twitter hypotheticals. If it just comes down to taking a hit, like if you're like, hey, Spags, can you take four straight hits from Aaron Donald for... $10 million. I'm taking those hits because that $10 million is I'm not going to die. Like I don't, I'm pretty confident. I'm not going to die. I can't say I'm a hundred percent sure I'm not going to die, but like I've taken hits. Like I took hits in college. I pissed my pants the first time I took a hit from our, our star DB um, who ended up playing at Colgate in college. Um, so not that much of a star, I guess. Uh, Joe Burrow, by the way, this is, this is not how you do this. Um, I'll point this out here. So wing winged Husser, um, sometimes people, by the way, these guys who like, we say like other oh, team here you could have done better. They get really mad in the chat. So I hope the winged Husser doesn't come in and get mad at me. Um, this duo here is so easily replicated and it's going to be cheaper. Like there's been times where chase falls the five hole and somebody gets Higgins here and then they're getting burrow at fucking 44. You don't reach for burrow here. Burrow is more valuable for this guy. As I talk about here with stacks, he's more valuable for this guy than anybody else in the draft. But you're better off just letting somebody else snipe you. Like if he if you can't get Burrow at 48, then just don't take Burrow, I think would be the better way to handle that. Spag's been a piss player a long time. Yes. I look, I've I've said it. It was honestly one of the first things that made me fall in love with football for real. Like I grew up being a football fan. As I've talked about, I was a Cowboys fan growing up because my dad was a Giants fan. And I thought, oh, here's a fun way for us to compete and whatever without it being a thing that, you know, would end up appearing as Freudian to everybody else I'd meet later on in life. Uh, but like the thing that made me fall in love with football was getting hit like that and feeling it and feeling the electricity through my body as I lightly pissed my pants <laughs> as a 10th grader um, playing at a, a not high level uh, high school. So that's, uh, that was part of what made me fall in love with football. Just, there's not a lot of things that can make, give you that, that pure adrenaline shot. Uh, this room is weird, by the way, Watson at 29 burrow early. I mean, this is a nice, this is an okay value on Metcalf, but I think for this build, let's just take Amari. This is more likely duped than, um, than if I had taken Metcalf. But I want to have a full bet on Cleveland here, I think, too. I'll still take Aaron Rodgers. I might do two week 17 QBs. I, I might not get Watson. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to commit to taking Watson or not. But this is a game stack that I have not gotten a lot of. So I'm going to take it here. Because I think Cleveland and Jets is as live as any game to be. Uh, the explosive one you need in week 17. As we talk about here, to stack up any week 17 game uh, based on what the room gives you. And that's probably the best thing you can do for your lineup. Uh, but I deliberately actually would have liked to have gotten more of this Jets Cleveland stack uh, just because I think both teams were live to be good throughout the course of the year. And then also the week 17 correlation on top of that. Uh, so getting this year, I feel pretty good about. Do I have a coop take? Um, Amari Cooper was a lot better last year than people realize. Um, I mean, he won me my, my biggest win of the season with the, the, the 22 K I won in showdown. Um, Cooper. So Cooper. 
16% receiving DVOA, 0.26 EPA per target. Those are both fantastic numbers for a guy um, in general, let alone a guy that the public thinks is older than he is. Like Cooper is only 28, I believe, as well. So he's not even in that 30-year range of guys like Allen, guys like uh, Evans. All those guys are a little bit older. Um, so to me, Cooper just being part of an ascendant team, there's maybe a little bit of a potential risk of lost volume because you have more there. You do have people's Jones still being good. Um, but I like Amari Cooper a lot more than I think the public does. So his ADP has come up enough that I might not be alone in that. Um, let's take Jerry Judy here. Didn't take him before. Just trying to get some receivers in. We got our anchor back. We're betting on Nick Chubb having a legendary year, which I'm perfectly okay with. Ah, Coop old as fug. Yes. The 28-year-old whose birthday. Oh, he might have just turned 20. No, he turned 29 June 17th. Yes, he's old as fug. Uh, Keaton Allen. Keaton Allen turned 31 in April. Mike Evans turns turns 30 August 21st. But Amari Cooper is old as fug. Oh, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, is he officially old as fug? Let's find out. I think he's a fresh 30, isn't he? He turned 30 June 15th. But he is he's 30 years old. So yes, Cooper Cup officially old as fug. Oh, that's tough, man. You hit 30, and then you get that note from the government that you're officially old as fug. And you gotta you gotta really take a hard look in the mirror and go, am I old as fug? And then you look and you see the little white whiskers on your beard hairs, and you go, oh, I am old as fug. I am indeed. A lot of coops, so it feels good, man. There you go. I'm happy to give you guys the solace of my plays, and then <laughs> and then we can both be sad when Amari Cooper turns out is older as fug than we realized. Which wide receiver, 30 or older, will have the best fantasy finish this year? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. I think Cooper Cup has more outs this year, too, because the backup being Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett is not a world beater by any stretch. He is a competent little man who has a good pedigree in terms of playing real competition, also playing on the best team that's possible. Like, he was on a team where uh, they were covering for him by having just so much talent everywhere. But that said, like you go into last year and it was, it was Baker Mayfield and obviously Cooper Cup wasn't playing by the time Baker was starting, but Baker is not a guy you'd expect Cup to be able to keep the efficiency. Uh, same thing for oh, who's the fucking weasel looking guy uh, who's John Wolford. Uh, he also was like not competent enough. Stetson Bennett should be competent enough to feed an alpha target earner like Cup. And I think that's something that matters a lot for Cup this year, as well as just the Rams. Like I think they're an eight and nine team, which is enough to probably keep them going until the end. Um, on the clock here, nobody makes sense from a correlation standpoint. So we'll take Brandon Ayuk, who has fallen a little bit in ADP here. So we have Chubb, Wilson, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, just professional receiving core. I like this. I'm shocked to be getting this good receiver values in a stream room, but I think we had some weird things. Watson getting reached on, uh, Burrow getting reached on all that has created a little bit of value for us here. Setson Bennett is old as fuck as a rookie. That's true. But that's, you know, as a backup QB, that matters a little bit less. Uh, but he didn't even graduate. Like, he was in college for, I think, six years and didn't graduate, <laughs> which is honestly kind of sick. Like, if we're being if we're being honest about it, if you're going to be 
in college for six years, being as an SEC star quarterback, um, who honestly might not even be a good pro, that's probably a ceiling outcome for a guy who's going to be at college for six years. Like, it's better than like, oh, fuck, I failed out of one college, had to go to community college and then build myself back up just to have a C-plus average at college, and it didn't matter anyway for my career. Uh, for Setson Bennett being like at Georgia and leading him to a championship, like that boy, I get why he had so many issues <laughs> off the field. Uh, we got Lockett here available a little bit after ADP. Got a lot of Cleveland going. Really nothing else. Let's just, uh, let's take Michael Pittman. <laughs> let's, let's just take Michael Pittman and see what happens in the room. I think this was a place for a locket share. Might've been a place for a pitch share, but we'll take Michael Pittman and see, see what comes back to us. Maybe that's how we'll get different from this Cleveland double is we'll take Michael Pittman with AR and it will pair that with the other AR Aaron Rodgers. Six years in college, two-time champ, didn't graduate. Yeah, look, that's the SEC dream. All this fun, all this football, and I don't even have to read? That's, <laughs> that's what kids grow up in the SEC area dreaming of. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry to our South viewers here. I know we have a lot of people in the South who read and are reading right now. Devontae Adams, second best, and probably Michael Thomas in the old-ass fug. Okay. I mean, OG did here. OG1 Kenobi did come up with the oldest fug tag, so he's the one who gets to decide. Um, Michael Thomas, I yeah, I, I've planted my flags for that before. Would have liked to have gotten him in that last draft with the Saints uh, just because I think Michael Thomas is undervalued, and um, he's not going to be undervalued as the casuals come in uh, now in July and August, and especially as camp reports start to come in that he's healthy and full go and maybe even looking good in practice as there's been some rumors about there of him looking better than Devontae Adams with Carr so far. Uh, came from some New Orleans beat guys. Um, Michael Thomas, I think at a certain point, will be back in this range here. Maybe, maybe a little bit on the back half, but I think Michael Thomas gets back up here over the next month. And my Michael Thomas bags are pretty close to packed, I think. I had so much of him pre-draft, actually. I'm not sure how much I have him now. Let's see. 13% Michael Thomas. And that is how much in BBM? 12.2% in BBM. All right, so I'm, I'm above the field in Thomas. That's pretty good, especially if his ADP does come up. That feels pretty good. But we'll, we'll look at my exposures here after we finish this draft. All these people we're judging are younger than us. That's true. That's true. But that's life, you know? You get older, and then you tell all these young whippersnappers, hey, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't be going 150 in my Lamborghini Jordan Addison. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I probably wouldn't go 150 in a Lamborghini even if I was 21. That said, what are you going to do, man? He thinks he's invincible. <laughs> that's, that's what happens to that age. If you're an elite athlete, even if you had sort of the ego dings that I'm sure Jordan Addison had going to that draft process where he was – King shit at Pittsburgh he came to USC and became the bell of the ball for USC. And I got to be honest, kind of disappointed me as a USC alum, uh, which is how he played. That said, you know, he's coming in with that pedigree and he, you know, like he's going to think he's invincible. No denying that. Kadarius Tony's fallen. I think, I think what we're going to do is just try to extreme zero RB this. 
because Tony is a top round six value. We got him at 80 here. We have Wilson, Cooper, Judy, Ayuk, Pittman, Tony. I feel like I got an extra pick of value in this room. So I think I'm now going to be done at receiver for a little. And we'll see what happens at the rest of the positions. Yeah, that's that's a tough part. I saw that there was a tweet about that where the speed Addison was going was the same speed that Ruggs went when he, I shouldn't even laugh, but it's so fucking dark, when he killed that woman or dog. Like I didn't realize he killed as many living things in that car accident as he did. Uh, but yeah, that's got to be the wake-up call. Like You got so much on the line. Like Again, I get being young and invincible and all that stuff. That said, you have so much money on the line. Like Even if you only play five years, like that's your entire livelihood. And Ruggs is going to be in jail for up to 10. Like, And it's not like that was that long ago either. Like They should just fucking tell you that story every day as a rookie when you're coming in just be like yeah hey remember henry ruggs that guy was fast too on the field and off and then you just kind of go from there then you just segue into the full after school special tony might be underrated i agree people are uncomfortable with Kadarius tony and i am whenever the public is uncomfortable with something and there's not a data reason to be uncomfortable with it um, I guess the data reason to be that he didn't run enough routes, but like, again, new offense, most complicated offense in football um, that we did some consulting work for at football outsiders. So I can tell you, they really do put a lot of work into that. Um, <laughs> we're not supposed to say that out loud, but I don't give a shit. Football outsiders might not be back <laughs> and they owe me over $40,000. So they can, uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll break some confidentiality here. Point being though, they know their DVOA numbers and Kadarius Tony was an outlier DVOA. Um, and was certainly a guy that I think, you know, had some issues ramping up. It's hard. It's hard to learn an offense that complicated. All right. We're on the clock again. So much value around. Gee whiz. Gee whiz. Gee willikers. We do have a little bit of uh, Denver, though. So let's take Javante, at, uh, Javante Williams here. So Chubb and Javante Williams. I like the start. Uh, yes. Yes, you are crazy to say that. Yes, you are. There you go. James joins in and just sees a Pittman and Richardson Jersey. Yes. Uh, not only did I get AR in the last draft, but I'm planning a flag to maybe get him to <laughs> this one, but the brand is strong guys. Honestly, I'm now like low enough on Richardson that it's time for a reload before there might be a potential jump in ADP. Um, if he gets a starting job over the next month and that certainty of him getting the starting job would be the big push for sure. Nobody's talking up James to make some money. My man, Look, relative to ADPs, obviously James is going to go a lot less frequently than Tony. That said, there's a, a lot of people who take James in the 18th round of every draft. Um, so I would say I think Richie James is a little bit overvalued. Also, too, with um, and it doesn't matter, like it's going to matter a lot more of the next month. In the OTAs and minicamp portion of things, James wasn't with that top group. It was Sky Moore, it was Kadarius Tony, and it was MBS. And James wasn't even being talked about by the press, really. They were talking about the battle for wide receiver four uh, with Rashi Rice, John Ross, and Justin Ross. And apparently John Ross looked better than a lot of those guys. So I just think Richie James is like one of those guys where if you showed a ceiling in the past, like, yeah, that matters. He showed a ceiling on, I remember on a Niners game, there was a showdown slate, I think against green Bay, Richie James crushed and was like my guy who had a captain. So I'll always have a soft spot for him. That said, he was on the giants. Like he had a couple of usable games in a giants receiver rotation that had a lot of usable games going around. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think that he's okay but I think he's now being treated like he's going to take a leap and there's been nothing, you know, signal or noise saying that Richie James is like, is a guy who's going to take a leap. At least that I've seen. If anybody wants to correct me and direct me to something else, uh, feel free. 
Uh, there we go. The Richie James fan here saying 10 for 182. Um, okay, now, so Deshaun Watson has fallen precipitously here. So we're going to take him 20 spots after ADP. This team is, I think, a batshit team. <laughs> This is like the kind of team that I would get at nine o'clock at night and go like, ah, you drunk idiots. I'm here also drinking and smoking weed, but I'm much smarter than you. Who, who, who? No, I'm getting to Sean at one Oh four. Are you kidding me? Okay. Tony ranked number eight in man coverage in 22, but only played 24% of snaps and averages 13.1 points a starter. I mean, look, there's, there were a lot of hurdles for him last year. Like obviously the coaching staff in New York fell out of love with him. Then he comes to Kansas city after, you know, a third of the season and then has to learn a new offense. And like, clearly they did it, get invested in feeding him touches. That to me is the main thing you look at is like, were they really trying to force feed this guy touches? They were trying to give him a lot of touches the moment that he got on the field and anytime he was out there. So then you extrapolate then, okay, he learns the offense. He's healthier. Um, he's getting a full off season here of work where they've been hyping him up at every turn, given that that drumbeat of wide receiver, one noise for Darius Tony. He's going to run more routes, whether he runs two X more routes, three X more routes. I can't say he's going to run more routes. If he even just runs double the routes he ran last year, he's going to be a, like a much better fantasy player overall. But if he runs three X those routes, he's, going somewhere top three rounds next year. Um, so I think that's where Kadarius Tony and people kind of miss the forest and the trees with him, but um, that's obviously my take. Uh, all right. We got Cleveland here. I don't think we have to get AR yet. Um, we do have Niners. So let's take Brian Robinson. A little more week 17 correlation here. So we have Deshaun at QB, 20 picks after ADP. Nick Chubb, three picks after ADP. Javante Williams took him at ADP for one of the rare times. Brian Robinson, and then at receiver, Garrett Wilson, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, Kadarius Tony. I would have liked to have gotten Njoku back, but I can live without that. I think this is a good start for a team, and I think this is also why even with me taking the early detour for Chubb, this is why you go extreme zero RB. Cause if you're not reaching here and you're getting this much talent in, the only guy I reached for was Garrett Wilson. And I think this is a pretty good receiver room as it is. Obviously, you know, if you're a believer in Tony, like I am, it's going to help, uh, help the overall aesthetics. There we go. The seam fucks. The seam is fire. I appreciate it. You are so cool. My man, just saying, thank you. I, I try to be cool here. You know what's even cooler, guys, is when you become a, a Splash Play community member here when you hit that join button down below. The coolest part of me is that I'll review up to 10 teams a month for you. So uh, you'd send in all your best ball teams, ask me what I think about it. I honestly feel like I might have helped a few people pointing out some flaws in the process, or at least from what they've said. So um, that's part of the offering here. But if not, you know, also feel free to subscribe for free down below. Hang out with me here. We'll do streams. Again, probably going to try to up the amount of streams for a week in August, but. Aaron Rodgers goes winged Husser. The guy who needs a QB the least out of anybody takes unstacked AR fake AR Aaron Rodgers. Nobody he doesn't have a single fucking jet. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> it wasn't the right move to reach for Rodgers anyway, but there was no reason Rodgers couldn't come back to 128. That's bullshit. Winged hussy more like it. <laughs> what a dumb shit move.
Oh, that's well, our jet stack. I still think we got good parts of a jet stack. <laughs> this is the first time guys. This is the first time that I've lost a QB that was like central to the team on, on a spag stacks. We lost Kyler Murray, but fuck Kyler Murray. Clayton tunes right there in the 18th round. Are you going to take him? Um, man, what a dildo. What a grade A dildo. All right, well, we got a bet on Kansas City. Let's take Jarek McKinnon here. We're going to compose ourselves. We're going to take a deep breath here. How do we dig out of this, guys? When winged hussy fucks us from the one hole, how do we dig out? What do we do when we get knocked off the horse? We get back on. We keep drafting players. <laughs> the thing is, like, it would be a revenge take if a person were drafting logically. He just drafted Aaron Rodgers for no reason before ADP. So I don't know how I get back at a man. He's like the Joker. It's like, how do I get at this guy who's playing with no laws out here? He's not playing by the laws of man. He's burning piles of money. He, I'm thinking that money's going to solve everything. But here, Joker, have a bunch of money. And he goes, no. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, you got a boat full of prisoners and regular people, and you're going to make one of them blow the other up? Like, I don't even, I don't know what he's doing. He's just a dog chasing cars. Duh. And the Joker, by the way, sexy as hell in that nurse outfit. I think we can all agree. So here's the thing. I could take Denver. I do have enough Denver skin in the game. I have Judy. I have Javante. But Dulcich is here too. So like, can I really, can I scare the Wilson draft from taking Dulcich? Probably not. I'm just going to take Russ here. Russ, future New York Jet, maybe. I don't know. And I might take Zach Wilson late. Uh, we have said this is like the SPAC stacks premise, though, is that. And I think somebody in the chat was saying it as well. I'm still stacking Jets if I get multiple Jets. So if I get Tyler Conklin late, I'm still stacking Jets. Like I'm still doing the thing. Um, but obviously, this is not going according to plan. Take Conklin later to screw him over. Uh, that dude's a party pooper. Had the same thing happen to me last night. Yeah, thank you, Felix. I appreciate it. Felix, of course, millionaire winner on DraftKings. So check out his channel. Best Ball Nation, right, Felix? I think is nice branding. A lot of, a lot of people use the avatars from Felix's channel, actually. I've noticed on DraftKings. Wilson will be a waste. That's true. Don't take Zach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Look, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't need to take Zach Wilson. I got his brother, Russ. But this winged hussy. Ooh. Ooh, this winged hussy. See what they do here. Dulcich goes, so I won't get him on the way back. Which, I like Dulcich, but I don't really care that much, to be honest. I got two Broncos. I don't need Dulcich, too. Laporta and MVS. This guy's just vibing. He's just vibing. Like, this isn't a bad team by winged hussy. It's just it's a stupid team. It's a stupid idiot boy team. He's got a double stack of Cincinnati, Mike Williams, Odell, MVS, Aaron Rodgers he got because he wanted to hurt me personally. <laughs> can I sell you on Zach Wilson? You can try. Maybe if you're some sort of a pimp for men who are going to sleep with MILFs. 
<laughs> then you could sell me. Yeah, Atis, uh, get in some wild rooms with wild QB picks the last few weeks. That's going to happen, that, especially, again, the casual drafters. Like, like, And I don't want to villainize them because, look, I would love if every casual drafter comes here and then they fucking go like, Spags, you're an idiot, and then they go like, no, you make some good points, and then they get beaten down when they have an entire season of seeing like, oh, yeah, if I draft five straight running backs, it's not going to work out for me. Um, love the casual drafters. Would love to have them in here. That said, uh, they really can fuck up the rooms, and they will do it a lot in July and August. Um, all right, so we got this 2460. Uh, Singletary doesn't make a lot of sense here, but I do want to get another running back. So 2560. Chubb, Javante, Brian Robinson, McKinnon, Singletary. Still kind of feel like this might be a six running back room for me, especially with the extremist zero RB approach. Uh, but I'll re recap the team real fast. Watson, Russell Wilson in our jet stack, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, Brian Robinson, Jarek McKinnon, Devin Singletary, receiver, Garrett Wilson, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, and Canarius Tony. Man. You don't get AR. One of the best pocket powers of all time, less than guy who fucks moms. <laughs> That's my pitch. I mean, Zach Wilson, you know, like he kind of seems like he was the perfect child there for his family. Obviously, the mom there loved him, was appearing everywhere in the media when Zach Wilson was looking like he might be a good player, then kind of disappeared, it seemed like, after she wasn't going to be a good player. Um, if you're going to get revenge on that kind of mom, I think fucking all of her friends is probably the way to do it. He does have a younger brother, too, though, I think. Uh, who's like a prospect now and looks exactly like him. Looks like a, just a fucking shithead. That's like a real piece of shit. <laughs> Slicked back hair, sloppy steaks at Trefani's, the whole deal. Uh, all right. So we have Watson. We don't have Njoku. We do have some nice values here falling at tight end. I think let's grab Gerald Everett. I like DPJ, but I have these six receivers spent enough early capital there. And I think getting a bring back for Russ this late after ADP, like this is still a nice value draft. It sucks, man. Cause like this draft really probably one of the nicer rooms for me to have done in a streamed draft. I think this entire time we've been streaming drafts, maybe the one that Pete and I did with uh, John Daigle on the four for four, where like it was not all of our common drafters, just a bunch of fucking randos. That was probably the best one because I got like a Philly alpha stack. Great time on that stream. Besides that, though, this is probably the second softest room I've drafted in. And because I didn't get Aaron Rodgers, I just am so frustrated. <laughs> I just, I mean, this gets my goat. It's funny, like, I know that, you know, we sometimes tilt on these streams a little bit. You get sniped on something. It sucks. The whole premise of these fucking streams is this thing you see on the banner down below. Spag, stacks, jets. I think I did that backwards. Spag, stacks, jets. And I, I can't stack jets. You don't get AR. It just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel right. But we'll get Tyler Conklin. We'll show them. And this guy's taking Tim Patrick, too? How much do you have to come from me, winged hussy? How much do you have to take from me? He's going to come in here and steal my baby any minute now, which he can do as long as he brings him back in time for bedtime. 
Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. I appreciate that. I need all the support I can get in these trying times. Speaking of, guys, wouldn't it be great if you subscribe to Splash Play right now? 3,000 subs. We're going to do a drunk show with Pete. And I listen, I got to tell you guys, I don't have a ton of faith in hitting 3,000 subs before the season starts. <laughs> so it'd be pretty sick if we did. So please subscribe down below and please do hit that like button. It helps us get uh, suggested to more people on the YouTube feeds, which help us out a bunch. Um, that's the goal here. Just get people to see the thumbnail and go, all right, I'll give this a shot. And then they'll come in and go like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Why did I click this? And then no, and then eventually we'll we'll browbeat them down. Get Izzy. I might get Izzy. Izzy's in play. No, I won't. Oh, okay. You know what? If people Jones is just gonna keep falling, if he's gonna keep following me around like this, done. Fuck yeah, fantasy dog. You got two things in your name that I like a lot. Fantasy dogs. If you add in a third, fantasy dog, big titty porn. <laughs> fantasy dog leaked only fans. Then you can, you can really capture my market. All right. DPJ, man, at 176. That was pretty good. That worked out pretty well. This room is really, this room taketh that it giveth. It's really just fucking with me here. <laughs> Click on the splash play stream. Dude just kept ranting about Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah, that's true. I, I do need to get bonked here. Where's the, where's the gif? Where's the gif? I'm getting bonked. Bonk away. Oh, bonk emoji. That's how, you know, historical anomaly is a true VIP here. Gets the bonk emoji in chat. I'll just keep, I'll just keep letting this dog do its job. Oh, there you go. Thank you, sir. Like little boobs, though. <laughs> Just say it. All right. Well, you know, that's the thing here. At Splashly, we bring all kinds of people together. If you like three, two out of the three, fantasy dog titties, then you're good. Um, all right. Tyler Conklin's on the board. I don't see how I can avoid him. The two jets, baby. Two. We are stacking jets. Whoosh. Jet, take it off. Whoosh. No Aaron Rodgers. But the jet took off. That's true. I need to do this kind of content more. Five guys your idiot league mates should draft. Five guys those dipshits you call friends. <laughs> you want to win 50 bucks from your idiot friends who you think suck and you talk shit behind their back and also you hate their wives and you're tired of seeing their wives out because their wives are so fucking lame and never have anything interesting to say and you wonder how did my friend marry this fucking person uh then draft these five guys <laughs> honestly i would get like that would be my form i know pete's probably gonna do his best ball bros video at some point in soft season that would be mine where it's just like doing these fucking passive aggressive kind of videos that <laughs> people do Five guys the dumb fucking cucks at your job won't draft in your office league. Five rookies the dipshits that you went to college with have never even fucking heard of because they're barely paying attention and your fantasy league is hanging on by a thread much like your marriage. There we go. This has been a jet into the Hudson. This has been a jet into the Hudson. 
Sully got three million for that. <laughs> it's true. Sully, Sully crushed. Charles Sully Sullenberg really had a. He's got nothing else uh, since then, as far as I know. He hasn't had any other viral moments that have made it onto my feed. Five players, the other dumb shits on the plane with you in the Hudson <laughs> will never draft. These, these fucking idiots think they're dying on a plane. They're not busy worrying about Aaron Rodgers. Here's why you should draft him. Did winged hussy take my wife yet? No, no, he's... He knows that that's not worth the effort. <laughs> he knows that she's busy redecorating our living room and giving me no say about any of it. But the good news is now we have a cream rug in the living room uh, in a house with a, a dog, a cat, and a baby. <laughs> so the interior design's going pretty well, I could say. Five rug choices your idiot league mates won't make. Five kinds of tits you should be grabbing at a sneaky TE. <laughs> Top five in TVOA. Specific audience for that one, but it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Two more picks here left for me. Two picks your dumb shit friends won't make. Hmm. What would your idiot friends not want to choose here? What would the fucking cum dumpsters that you call friends... <laughs> Not want to choose in this spot. Oh, you know what? I need a third tight end. And I think we know who it is. Mr. Michael Mayer, come on down. Correlating with our non-Anthony Richardson. Correlating, though, with Michael Pittman here. Um, and then we need something from Cincinnati still, right? Or the Chargers. Or we could just not correlate for Week 17 with our last pick and just be a normal human being. We'll find out. We'll find out which option I choose here. By the way, I do appreciate all you guys hanging out with me. A lot of fun here. Can't I can't do this these kind of bits at home. Like I can't do these kind of bits by myself. So I appreciate each and every one of you for allowing me this avenue to, I don't even know, to lose future employment. <laughs> Probably. Am I getting double bonked? Bonk, bonk. Bonk, bonk. Um, Puka. You want Puka, huh? I don't think Puka makes sense here. I'm also like, I feel pretty good at receiver. Seven receivers with this. I think I need a sixth running back more than I do that. <sighs> Honestly, Izzy, I think kind of makes sense in this build. Yeah, let's do, let's do a Bonnie Conda. Didn't get Brees. Didn't get Dalvin Cook. Izzy. Izzy it is. Yeah, I wanted another Jet. I think it was the reason for this one here. So we do officially have a Jet stack. My final team, let's read it aloud. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson at QB. One creep, one non-creep. Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, Brian Robinson, Jarek McKinnon, Devin Singletary, and Izzy Abani Konda at running back. At receiver, Garrett Wilson, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, Kadarius Tony, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. A radicalized zero RB here. Six uh, receivers for my first seven rounds. And then tight end, Gerald Everett, Tyler Conklin, Michael Mayer. This is a unique team, both in terms of the ADP values and the players I drafted. Uh, getting sniped on Aaron Rodgers made this also more unique. Kind of wish I'd gotten another charger in. Though Everett, honestly, it's not a bad bring back. The team worked. 
The seam worked. Uh, Julian, I think in the earlier part of the video, did McBride lead all college football ever in fumbles? That's what's going to happen when every player in the field is trying to tackle you and your offense is nothing else, I think. Uh, what is winged Hussey going to do here with his final pick? Oh, he already did it, it looks like. Patterson, yeah, Patterson doesn't get drafted a lot. He is, he is old and a gadget guy at this point. All right, well, look at my exposures here. I mean... Yeah, I mean, let's not. I won't, I won't name the teams here. You guys, it's gonna be stag stacks, some bullshit. That's what the names will be. Um, here's my just BBM exposure, so we can review these. Our final act here on the stream. Uh, well, let's look at the overall numbers first. Overall, Christian Watson in a third of my best ball mania lineup so far. Uh, Michael Pittman over 31 percent in all my lineups. Jalen Warren, Anthony Richardson, Kendra Miller, top five. Kendra Miller on the NFI, as our guy Ross pointed out, list, but um, still can get back in practice in August and wouldn't have any sort of issues there, so that's fine. Top five QBs, though. Deshaun moves up to number two here. So Anthony Richardson, number one at under 28%. Deshaun, number two at 12. Jimmy Garoppolo, number three at 12. Jordan Love, number four at 12. Kirk Cousins, number five at 11. Uh, again, flat QB exposures is my goal of the year besides AR. And I am fulfilling that goal thus far because I want the QBs to drive my unique stacks and I'd have my player takes be the foundation around that. That is my strategy for the year. And it is going swimmingly. <laughs> Yeah, running back, Jalen Warren, Kendra Miller, Roshan Johnson, Chase Brown, Devin Singletary. This is the everyone to doubt my zero RB bona fides. Here they are on display. Tank, uh, Tank Bigsby also in that mix. Charbonnet also in that mix. Penny also in that mix. But J.K. Dobbins, the one guy I'm digging my heels on, and I do not have a lot of Nick Chubb. One, that was my first entry of Nick Chubb potentially. That can't be right. That, oh boy, oh, Nick Chubb. I really do believe in though, guys. I swear to God. Christian Watson, Michael Pittman, DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, and George Pickens are my top five receivers. Alec Pierce, of course, number six here because he is the other part of the AR stacks. Tight end, Michael Mayer, my highest exposed. I've not gotten a lot of Mark Andrews this week, so that is why he is now my number two at 17%. Jelani Woods, number three at 16. Sam Laporta, number four at 16. Dalton Kincaid, number five at 14.4%. And, uh, I got to tell you guys, I've seen some portfolios out there. You are not going to find a many a portfolio like the one I just showed you here. And that is why, guys, to tie it all together, I'd say subscribe to Splash Play. Hit the like button. Leave a comment down below. Streams here every week. Fridays are when the Spag Stacks goes off. Tuesday will be another doubleheader with Pete. At least one more there. He might have to change his schedule around for the Fantasy Life show on SiriusXM. So get in there on this Tuesday for our doubleheader. And in August, I will be upping the amount of streams here on the Splash Play channel as well just because I got to fill my life with some purpose. So that'll be going on here. Follow Follow me at Chris Spags. Follow this show at Splash Play Pod. Don't be afraid to hit that join button down below. If you want your teams reviewed, just join the channel $4.99 a month, and I will review 10 teams a month for you if you want. And honestly, probably a little bit more because I, you know, what, what am I going to say? No, but like 10 teams is like what we're saying. So you can send them to me at Chris Spags on Twitter or on Instagram, I guess, if you want. Um, or you can reach out on the Pete's Deposit Kingdom Discord and send me your teams there. That is the best way to do that. But I do appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out with me, really and truly. This is one of the highlights of my week. It's a lot of fun to do this year and just be able to cut loose and get mad at random people so appreciate all of you for hanging out with me hope your fantasy football seasons are going well hit me up with any questions or whatever you have any thoughts on and i'll see you guys again soon enjoy your weekends good luck bye <laughs>